Um, welcome to the rake. We are back with another special guest today, Brad Owen. He needs no introduction. One of the biggest YouTubers, longtime cash game grinder in Vegas. Brad, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. This is great. I'm excited. Yeah, we're excited to have you. We're excited to get into it here. Um, you obviously historically have played live cash in Vegas for years and years. Um, Obviously, things have been changed up a bit. What are you What are you up to these days, and uh, what are you thinking? I'm enjoying not having to do anything. <laughs> so, um, I mean, yeah, there's no there's no live cash, so I can't really make YouTube videos of that, which is uh, you know what my channel is primarily based on. I've been playing a little bit online, and um, I've been just kind of relaxing, hanging out by the pool hanging out with the, the girlfriend and her two little kids, and that's kind of it. <laughs> yeah. um, so you play a little bit online. Have you been streaming at all or just kind of dabbling? I haven't. I've mostly just been tilting my brain off. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, <clears throat> I'm up a little bit on WSOP, and then I'm stuck, like, a little bit more on uh, Poker Bros, this app I've been playing. Gotcha. Have you been focusing just on cash online or have you tried to transition to MTTs? I've only been playing cash. I should probably play some MTTs. I know, um, Marley, you've been playing some MTTs and you've been streaming that from yeah. and Marnie. Marnie's been streaming some. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Marnie, for those of you who don't know, is my British friend who is new to poker, but she's, she's good so far. She's been great. And she's, um, been streaming on my YouTube on my Twitch channel, but um, yeah, I, I I personally just think I I don't like tournaments. I think that you and I have a similar background and feeling about tournaments that we just can't and not doing well in them. Yeah, just like the fact that we just brick literally forever. Um, but uh, but it's put in perspective for me like how silly live tournaments are because you know I'll play like 12, 15, 20 sometimes in a day and cash like two of them sometimes. And that's like normal, I hear. So, you know, it's so kind of discouraging playing live because you can't get the sample, you know? Yeah, but that's that's always good when you like play online and you're playing smaller and you run bad for that stretch of tournaments. And I'm like, oh, I'm really happy that wasn't a live six months out of my life <laughs> of like breaking expensive tournaments. Like sometimes playing online is having a bad day and you're like, wow, I feel like I've I've like taken all the beats that I would have taken over like much a much longer period live. I wish it worked so, like Jamie, that. Are, are you playing MTTs right now, Jamie? Yeah, um, I have played more poker in the last two months than I probably have in the last like four years combined. I've played yeah. every day like ten or twelve hours, um, and I'm really tired. But also, it, I don't know. I've been waiting for poker to feel like this again, where it feels worth putting the time in. And there's enough new players and like, I feel like studying again. It's really weird because I'm like, I know that this, this virus is horrible for everyone. And like most people's jobs have gotten way worse and then it feels guilty, but like poker has definitely gotten better for online grinders. Yeah. I mean, you, uh, Brad, you did the 888 thing in Madrid right before this all happened. Were you planning on kind of doing more tournaments before this happened or was that just a coincidence? I would love to get good at tournaments. And so 888 just kind of like two weeks before that Madrid thing happened, they invited me to go out there and Andrew and I were already planning on being in London. So I happened to have like a one week or week and a half break in between London and like something else. So I was like, oh yeah, that's great. I'll just go to Spain. And and I, I really do love playing tournaments. I wish I was good at them. And uh, <laughs> that would be great. Like I would love to be like a known uh live like tournament crusher but that's just that hasn't been in the cards literally uh so far yeah it's probably just variance i i find that the people who are like really good at cash and like disciplined cash game players are good at tournaments too you like write yourself off to like played 10 tournaments didn't win any of them i suck i'm like man you might have to play for two years before you win like a good tournament or that you even get a decent enough sample size if you're playing live to know if you're any good or not so I don't yeah. know. I don't think there's no like magic to tournaments except for learning um, a little bit of like the short stack plays. I think maybe cash players are a little bit like not aggressive enough late in tournaments, but I don't know. I feel like as soon as poker picks up again, you should just play more live birds and see how it goes. 
Yeah, I, I think that'd be fun. I mean, you you both go out to the running up events and uh, those are fun. I like doing those, I like taking shots and like a handful of things there. And then I play maybe like 10 other tournaments throughout the year and that's about it. So I definitely need to actually put in some volume at some point if I want to get good and uh, get some results. Mm-hmm. Have you, so have you thought about what's, what's, what do you think about the timetable of Vegas opening up and uh, what's your plan? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty nervous for poker out here in Las Vegas. Um, from what it sounds like they're going to open up four handed and a lot of the casinos on the strip aren't going to be open right away. So I know with MGM, they're planning to open Bellagio and New York, New York first and New York, New York doesn't even have poker. So, um, I know Venetian and Palazzo are planning on opening, um, I think beginning of June. So Venetian has poker, but no one really enjoys uh, playing where Sheldon Adelson, you know, they, they've just like kind of, they've kind of messed up um, their reputation within the poker community with how they run tournaments and various other things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there just aren't a lot of options. I don't know what wins time frame is, but I imagine I'll be playing at yeah, Encore and Bellagio, and I know Red Rock's opening up, but it's going to be four-handed. I don't know how many people are going to be excited to play. Everyone's probably going to be wearing masks. It's just going to be like a whole different feel. So I'm not, I'm not really excited for, for when uh, Hooker comes back to Las Vegas. I think it's going to be a long time before it's back to normal. What do you guys yeah. think? Yeah, sorry. I'm sorry, Marley. Go ahead. Say for, the, for the mugs and everything, I'm sure you guys had a lot planned. When yeah. do you think those will get going again? I don't know. I think I'm I'm ready to go play live poker. Like I kind of want to go to some of these states that weren't hit as hard um, in terms of like how many people were affected per million. Like Texas, they have a lot of cases, but they have a huge population, so mm. uh, they're, they're they weren't hit really that hard compared to some of the other states. Um, yeah. Obviously, like, the Northeast is all like all messed up, so. I don't plan on being up there for a really long time and I don't plan on being in Chicago for a while, but uh, I kind of want to get back after it almost as soon as possible. But I think, I think Andrew is happy to kind of (laughs) just wait until things simmer down more, which is completely understandable. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't imagine. So look, I'm a different type of player anyway. I'm like, I would put in probably like 80% of my volume in online tournaments anyway. Um, and just the random time, just go to Red Rock, go to Bellagio, the win or something like that. So I'm not missing it quite as much. Like my life didn't change quite as much as it did for you guys with like meetup games and stuff. But I just like can't picture a casual person putting on a mask, sitting down at a four-handed table, the plexiglass things. It like completely kills the vibe of like the social aspect of the game. Like I think it kills it for a rec player. Like I think people who are like, I'm a live cash player this is how I make my money. Well, they'll find a way to be like, it's fine. Like this is what I have to deal with. But someone who's just like going for entertainment and to gamble, like I can't imagine them sitting there and going through that. So I don't know, like how, how good do you think the games are going to be? I, I don't think that they're going to be very good. Vegas games in general, I think they're some of the worst cash games in the U S you have every pro in the world who moved here, you know, in the last like 20 years and now there's casinos opening up all over the U.S. So there's not a real big incentive for uh, tourists to come in. You know, people always say like, oh, Vegas is great because you get the tourists to come in and they're drinking and uh, you get to play against them. But why would you not just want to go to where the tourists live? Like, Why would you not want to go to right. Florida and just play with 100% Floridians? That sounds yeah. great to me. <laughs> Or LA, like LA has been great. The few times I've gone there, uh, like gardens, I just, the poker was fun. I I don't even think the the players weren't like horrendous. It wasn't like, oh, free money. And that's why I love playing here. Definitely was softer, but also just the atmosphere was like people having drinks and like meeting up with the regs that they actually like. I feel like in Vegas, the regs are just like grumpily staring across the table at each other. Yeah, I agree. Andrew and I, we were doing events at the gardens once a month. So we had that planned through June and then we were working on coming to an agreement. So we would go there throughout the rest of the year. And that place is awesome. Um, mm-hmm. The five, five is like a 600 cap. So that's, that's kind of small for making interesting content, but um, it's kind of the perfect uh, stake for people to come in and join 
join Andrew and me, you know, because they don't get torched too badly. But the 510 game there is great too. And there's just so much action. The casino is like pretty nice, especially for, you know, LA uh, compared to commerce and, yeah, you know, some other places. So yeah, I, I really love it there. Uh, I, that just made me think of, um, I saw like sometimes like people who come to your mugs and stuff I've seen on like Twitter, they'll like be like, Oh, you guys are just like hustling and you guys are just, you know, <laughs> you guys are just getting us and last stuff. Like talk a little bit about that. And like, you know, obviously you guys, yeah, we always try to win, but talk about the vibe at these games and like, I don't know. Yeah. It's usually people coming pretty hard after us. So I want to get on the vlog. So they're out there trying to bluff and call us light. And it, it kind of forces me to play tight um, just because that's like the optimal strategy. And for me, I always want to win, especially if I'm videoing. I hate losing in general, <laughs> but particularly if I have to make a video on it later. Yeah. Uh, Andrew's a little bit different. So he's really happy to widen his range and kind of get involved with as many people as possible. So he's playing like a lot more like two gapper and three gapper hands and stuff like that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we're, we're getting pretty drunk the whole time. So we're not in our <laughs> best form and we have to host. So we have to, you know, say hi to everybody, take pictures, uh, film everything and try and play poker while being drunk. And so those things make it hard to play your A game. That's just not really like the focus of what we're trying to do necessarily. Yeah, yeah I, I met up with you guys the one time at South Point, and that game was fun. But yeah. I feel like I got duped. I don't know if you guys saw Legally Blonde, but you know where uh, she gets tricked into like wearing a costume to a non-costume <laughs> party, and she dresses like a Playboy bunny and becomes like the butt of the joke. I sort of felt like that because it was the Halloween one, and they're like, "Yeah, costume contest! It's gonna be great." <laughs> I show up, I'm dressed as like a flying squirrel or whatever, mm-hmm. and I just like walk in, and there's no one wearing a costume. Like Brad like abandoned his costume already Um, and Andrew's wearing like a cowboy hat or something I'm just like I was wearing a cowboy hat yeah I was what was Brad and what was Andrew wearing because I feel like I was the only one wearing like a full onesie (laughs) wore like one of those suits where it looks like somebody's carrying you you know yeah you have those alien ones where it looks like the aliens abducting you and you're like a tiny human Mm -hmm. um so he was wearing one of those but I think it was like a a lumberjack was behind him or some kind of German dude and overalls or something yeah I think that you guys had already like somewhat abandoned your costumes by the time I showed up I was late and so I walked in there and I actually was just like these bastards lie to me because that would be hilarious I was pumped up because it was only there were only like five people that showed up in costume it was Mm -hmm. you Scott Blumstein Blumstein actually came in with like a Yoda yeah I made him because we went we came together I was like I brought a few people and I was like, if I'm wearing this, like you're gonna dress up. So I gave him my Yoda hat. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you two, me and Andrew, and then this guy who dressed up as the King of Hearts, who ultimately won. Because we couldn't give it to to you or Scott. Even yeah. though I think your costume was the best. <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing photos of it. It was epic. Yeah, that was that great. Was, that was fun though. I'm gonna miss I'm you know, I like didn't play enough live poker when I could. <laughs> I know now I do kind of like there are days I wake up and I'm like I come sit in my office and and fire up a bunch of tournaments and I'm like geez I'm just not going to talk to another human like unless it's a zoom call or something for the rest of the day and yeah even like a cynical like shut in like myself is starting to kind of miss the social aspects of of like meetup games and things like that yeah well especially with running up Reno being canceled that was kind of the first thing that I was you know thinking about going to that was like shut down. Mm-hmm. And so that was, that was uh, sad. It's so sad. It's like such a fun event too. Like I've just, yeah, I don't know. I just like, as much as I've been playing online and it's fun. I just, I just miss like walking into Aria, getting crushed, walking over Bellagio, <laughs> can't get on the list. I'm freaking, I'm going to win. And it's like getting, like I'm reminiscing about getting crushed. That's like how much I miss it. And and uh yeah i mean have you thought about doing i know that um johnny vibes has been doing some online meetup games and stuff have you thought about that yeah it's just so we're mostly on the poker bros app Mm -hmm. and we have this telegram chat and we're just saying hey we're online if you guys want to come join us but it's hard we can't really like reserve seats for that the way johnny's doing it is a little bit different and we don't i don't think we can quite do that and there's just a lot of people 
you can only play four tables at a time on there. Mm -hmm. So we wouldn't really be able to play with everybody at once. Mm -hmm. um, so mainly I've just been like saying in the Telegram chat or on Instagram, I'm playing, come join me if you want to, or sweat the tables or whatever. And how does it work? Do you guys have like a Zoom meetup while you play? Or do you just play on the app and you're just like happy to play together online? Yeah, I mean, we just, there's no Zoom or anything. Um, we're just kind of, I'm, I'm kind of like worried about creating content around playing online at this point. Um, oh, yeah, because like, uh, I'm just going to guess what you're talking about. Sorry, I should let you finish. But because YouTube just like flags everything. Is that the problem? I mean, that's kind of it. I, I, Andrew's done some streaming of the Poker Bros app, and that's been fine. And, you know, people have streamed WSOP and uh, Jason Somerville. He's been making YouTube videos of playing online for, <laughs> for forever. So I'm not – I mean, I'm kind of concerned about that stuff. But uh, just, like, viewership and everything, it seems okay. like people just love watching live poker content. They love, like, seeing, like, the flip of the cards and, like, chips <laughs> going one way or another. And then if I like change it, I feel like it's going to alienate a lot of the audience. And then when it goes back to making regular live poker vlogs, people are, are uh, maybe not going to tune in or something. I don't know. I think I just have all these worries as a content creator that are probably dumb. I'm, I think there's a ton of people who would be happy just to, to get just anything. To yeah. Yeah. People miss poker so much. Like I, I think, I think people will understand like you just can't, you don't have like 400 hours of content banked to make like videos from um and i just think you know something's better than nothing and like keeping your name relevant and like giving people something to do like people do have free time it can't hurt and i don't know as long as it's not going to like get you in any kind of trouble because i know youtube is like super anal with like everything like i i've written for doug polk for a long time and like we were just always so confused we would just get a notice that's like oh this video is flagged and you have a strike for this and he's like it's no different from like 100 other videos and and we had no idea why and it's like YouTube is so opaque with their decisions that it's like, okay, you're on thin ice, but you don't know why. So you can't really like correct your actions. Yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Marley, you've been someone who has pretty much escaped all that stuff somehow. We had a theory, um, Johnny and I, that cause I'm an idiot and I'm in the people's and blogs category as was he, we had a theory. That was why he, I think he debunked that. I like, that's not why. Yeah. I don't know. Honestly, I, if anything, I should have been banned a long time ago. Like my videos, <laughs> some of them, like they border on prostitution. Like, you know, I, really, I don't know how, I don't know how I am still alive and kicking on there. But yeah, I've, I, you know, I don't think there's a rhyme or reason to it. I, I saw that Jeff Boski this week had a, yeah. again, another, uh, it's just so fucked up. I mean, I, I don't think there's any rhyme or reason to it. I think it's some algo. It's the same algo as why I always fucking lose online. It's the same algo. Yeah. I can't Bullshit. figure it out. Jesus. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. And uh, it, it's, it's worrisome going forward. But uh, I know that you uh, have, you made your infamous cat rap video. Obviously, you have to talk about that. I got to play a very small part in it, as did Spraggy. Um, what made you want to do that uh, infamous video? Uh, let's see. I did do one before with my other cat Cosmo. And so I haven't, I've had this cat for a year. He's actually getting neutered today. So it's a big day for him. Oh, not, not here right now, but, uh, <laughs> I have to pick him up later in the afternoon. And, uh, I just thought it was time, you know, I need to make another, another cat rap and, mm -hmm. uh, he needed, he needed his own rap video. I, otherwise it wasn't fair. <laughs> wow. You should do a follow-up post neutering where he he sings in a higher pitch and, <laughs> and sings about like finding his sensitive side and, and stuff like that <laughs> that's a great idea how's crouton doing crouton's great crouton uh it's funny he's like happy because he's got his parents home all the time i made yeah. a tweet and i was like a super genuine tweet that like his life has been good since he hasn't seen a suitcase in two months he would just sit next to the suitcase and like put his head on the ground and look up like he's a really smart dog and just like very very sensitive um, but the one thing that sucks is that obviously we can't have any friends over and our house is like the house where people would come over, grind poker, we'd like barbecue and stuff like that. So I've he never hasn't seen to a, to a Jamie Kerstetter barbecue. So well, once we're allowed to interact once, again, you know, you know, you're having these things. <laughs> yeah. And my poor dog, like he's such a, a people dog and like, he hasn't seen any of his friends. So he's probably like, why doesn't anyone like my parents anymore? No one's coming over. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, but I don't know. It's been good for dogs and kids, right? They have their parents oh, yeah. around at all times. Yeah. I, well, particularly animals. I think they get mm-hmm. like, they're the big winners of this whole thing. I think kids, it's still tough. Like my girlfriend, she yeah. has two daughters and they're, you know, not seeing their friends or anything really. Um, but my girlfriend's oldest one just turned nine and she had a mm-hmm. birthday and like couldn't Aww. have a party. So that was, we tried to make it as special as we could and we had a good day, mm-hmm. but it just wasn't the same as like a normal, normal year. Yeah, it's got to be weird, too, because, like, think of the stuff our parents told us when we were young, like, go play with your friends, go outside, like, do other things, don't play video games, and now you're like, uh, go online, play video games, don't talk to anyone, like, it is so weird, and, like, this is, it's going to be interesting to see, like, as they grow up, like, what kind of impact this has long term. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Marley, is it hard for you to not see uh, Chauncey? Is no. that you? Yeah. I miss him so much. I miss him so much. I get photos like every day, literally, and videos and stuff. Um, but he's good. He's with friends and he is living his best life. He's, you know, cats are great because they're so adaptable. Like, you know, even, you know, I obviously come to the UK all the time. I travel all the time. So I feel bad. But um, yeah, he's good. I, I miss him. We, we, we have our kitties here to make up for it a little bit. But um it's sad. Yeah, I feel like you're kind of, oh, sorry. You adopted the one recently? Which one? Yeah. What's that cat's name? Olaf. Olaf. And then there's Billy too? Billy's our neighbor's cat, but he's just, he like basically always is here. He just thinks it's his house, basically. I feel like Billy adopted you guys. Like he, I watched Spraggy's stream a little bit, maybe like a couple months ago, and Billy just like wanders in. He's like, I'm here to stream now. You're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But, that thing that you retweeted with um, Spraggy getting slow rolled, that was probably my favorite <laughs> clip that I've seen in the last like year. Of <laughs> For those of you who don't know, uh, Spraggy, my boyfriend, uh, is one of his best friends is Tonka. And Tonka was, they were actually, it was like a 530. It was a pretty big tournament. Mm-hmm. Like pretty, It was like deep. And the- close to the bubble. It was like five away from bubble. the money too. Yeah, yeah, yeah five <laughs> the money. And he's such a fucking savage. He, not only did he slow roll him, he went into the secondary time <laughs> bank. Mm-hmm. He committed so hard. <laughs> and then, <laughs> but it was funny because like they have this, like, obviously like they troll each other and people just like, don't get it. I mean, it's so funny how some people just like, don't get sarcasm. Like he literally had him on the stream after and was like joking around with them and being like, Hey man, like, fuck you, whatever. And people are in the chat. Like, whoa so you guys have beef man like whatever and so he's like no dude like they just don't get it so yeah that's not how slow rolls work slow rolls are for people that you're good friends with or that you hate with a fiery passion yeah like there's it's a very polarizing thing to do but what i thought was funny is like spraggy come on like that's gonna be a slow roll like 95 percent of the time (laughs) as soon as it hits the bank especially the way the hand played out i'm like when it hits the bank you're like oh this is no good and he's like don't roll me oh he's not rolling me and i'm just like waiting for it <laughs> well you can you can see like a smile like come over his face I, mm-hmm. I felt like as time went on more and more he was expecting it kind of I don't know yeah. that was kind of my read on it though He's yeah I think yeah um you know how Sean Deeb's like really well known for slow rolling and like on poker night he did it like every single time I feel like at some point can't you just really not do it anymore like anybody thinking at all is is aware that you're doing it like I think it kind of loses its luster after a while I don't, I don't think I've ever purposefully slow rolled anybody ever. I should, I should put that into my repertoire. How, Andrew, <laughs> how have you not slow rolled Andrew at some, oh, I was, at some point? When I saw Spraggy get slow rolled, I was like, I have to do this against Andrew in something at some yeah. point. And you know, and if he did it to me, I think that'd be, you know, totally fine as well. So mm-hmm. I got Andrew super good. Uh, one of the meetup games that run up Reno, uh, we were playing two, five or three, five, whatever it was. And I had just learned about the skinny and oh, I yeah. skinnied him. The skinny is the, the three deuce off or suited. Um, and I called the three bet pre and I skinny the fuck out of him for like a thousand dollars. And I was like super excited. And I was like, I skinnied him. And then I look at him and I'm like, Andrew's so nice. You can't even like feel good. Like there are some people where you're like, you do it to them and you're just like, ah, oh, that was so satisfying. Andrew's just like, nice hand. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you, did you slow roll him or you just skinny? No, I just skinnied him in a nonsensical oh. hand. Like in a spot where like no human can ever have three high. And then I just okay. ended up running out two pair and I cracked. I didn't see what his hand was, but I know it was good because he put in a thousand dollars. 
Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Man, the skinny. I got I got got with the skinny last time too in a massive pot again, against. Do you know Chuck, Brad? Chuck. If I saw his face, I probably would. Which yeah. he was all right. Does, he do? Does he do anything for? Is he like a one of the boat guys or something? The what guys? There's some guy who owns like a boat company or something. No, he's a reg. He's been around in Vegas forever. Plays really only five ten Aria now. He's like no social media or anything. He's like, but he's like the most hilarious guy ever. You probably yeah. would know him. But uh, he got me good with the skinniest last week, dude. I fucking love Reno. That it's so you know sad that like I canceled. I really hope that they do in October because such a fun yeah. vibe. Yeah, and it's like a profitable trip too. I. That's why I really like Run Up Reno. I really like Run Good events because they're like fun focus. But then also there's a few good tournaments and the cash games are good. And it yeah. feels like it's like a work vacation instead of other places I like drag myself to where I'm like, I really should play this event. This is a soft event, whatever. And I just like feel like Reno is just the best of both worlds. I don't yeah. know. I think that one will come back. I think there's enough demand for that. There's just not a lot of that in poker where it's like fun based. Welcome back to another thrilling series of plugs for our sponsors at Run It Once. What do we have up our sleeves this week? Well, right now at Run It Once Poker, we're welcoming first-time depositors with rake-free play for the rest of May. That's right. Anybody who makes their first deposit from now until May 24th will automatically be eligible for 100% net rake back for all of their play for the rest of the month. For full details, hop on over to once.run slash no rake. And if you're looking to improve your game before taking advantage of that promo, head on over to Run at Once Training, where you can learn from poker's coolest Phil, Galfond, and a stack stable of other world-class professionals. Sign up now through once.run slash learn, and you'll get free access to three of their elite-level videos. Now, let's get back to Marley... Jamie and this week's guest, Brad Owen. I wanted to ask you about the uh, the kind of I don't know what you want to call it, but the get the giving back you did for the dealers and stuff. Yeah, that was uh, something that has been kind of ongoing a little bit. <clears throat> it's been cool. I mean, I just everybody needs like I, I'm just so concerned about dealers in general right now, um, but particularly like in Vegas too. I just don't see how it's going to come back to normal out here. Um, but there's just a ton of really good dealers who are deserving of some help and in need and, and things like that. So I posted something on Twitter saying, uh, I was going to give $200 to someone's favorite dealer. I just needed to know why and they needed to be tagged in it. And then there were just tons and tons of dealers who were tagged and there were a ton of like funny stories or like heartwarming stories. And I just thought to myself, like, I'm super fucked here trying to pick one person. Um, but luckily, some other people pitched in and they just donated completely on their own. They're like, hey, I want to donate like $200 as well or 100 or whatever. So um, I realized I couldn't be outdone on my own Twitter posts. So I decided that I would increase what I was donating to 2000 And then we had like $3,000 altogether. And I picked 10 dealers to give $300 each to. And, uh, and then a few people like joined in after that, like Tony miles who got second in the main event a couple years ago. He, I, I had no communication with him prior to this, but he saw what I was doing. He's like, Hey, I want to help too. Like pick, you know, three other dealers who I'll give a hundred dollar Amazon gift card to. And, uh, so yeah, so there's some people like that. And, uh, I, I mentioned that in my last video and then several other people donated like six or 700 more. So, um, I just recently gave like four more dealers, $200 mm. and someone reached out saying that they wanted to build a poker table that had kind of different things that were about my vlog on, um, the felt. And then we could auction that off and give all the proceeds to dealers. So that's kind of what I'm working on next. That's really cool. I, I think it's awesome that, uh, I, I know like the poker community sometimes can be sketchy and shady and all those things are, are true as well, but um, I think it's cool that we like take care of each other too. Like, I think that's really awesome. I think even if, uh, you know, $300 is going to help a little bit and it's like not going to solve their problems, but it like shows them that you care about them. It's like, it's just creating a better atmosphere when we all go back to it that we didn't just go, whatever, I'm going to get mine and you worry about yours. And 
like right now we're doing the keep the lights on um, pledge charity drive thing for uh, poker media because same thing with those guys. They just like they're gig workers. So they don't get, you know, they're not full-time employees of anywhere. So no one's taking care of them. And we raised like 30 K like people came out of the woodwork. Like we were trying to raise 1500 bucks a person, um, me, Jeff Platt and golden blazer. And people came out of the woodwork to help, like uh, unbelievably generous donations from from people in the poker community. And I feel like that helps a lot when there's times like where bloggers are like, hey, all people do is complain about the hand histories being wrong or like it not being interesting enough and stuff like that. And it's like, look, we do care about you. Like, yes, there are squeaky wheels all the time in poker that say you got my hand history wrong. But for the most part, like we are all in this together to like make this a better community for us all. Yeah, I agree. I think that probably the poker playing population is just a lot nicer and a lot more caring than we get credit for. Because yeah. people look on social media and that's where like, I'm, I'm guilty of that too, is like I'm reading Twitter. I'm like, man, there's so many assholes. And like, there's a lot of nice people who just quietly go about their lives and they don't waste their time on social media and they're part of the community too. And like, mm-hmm. yeah, some of those people too came out of the woodwork to donate. Like they heard secondarily, not even from social media that we were doing this. Like Brandon Steven gave $5,000 um, to this. Yeah. So yeah, there've been just like some incredible people that are helping out now. And like, I don't know, it's like really hard because I think some people are afraid to even say they need help. Because they don't want to admit, like, oh, I didn't have the money to cover this. But I'm like, that's that's a lot of people in America right now. There's, like, no shame in, like, struggling right now. Yeah, we definitely protect our own. I feel like people in poker are very petty, myself included, about little, like, stupid bad beats and shit. We get, like, very petty and very heated over little things. But I think when it comes to big issues, I don't know. We just – we saw it with the Mike Postle thing, too. It's, like – we just really come together and uh, you see it with the, so many charity events. I got to be in two of them and just like they're popping up constant every week, constantly celebrities involved. So it's, it's good to see. It's good to see. And I hope that uh, it continues, you know? Yeah. So with the charity stuff, I'm, I'm amazed at, um, you know, ACR, I know this is a run at once podcast, but uh, that, <laughs> that that how did they get all those big names to do that like that's insane and i'm from like i'm coming from like a legal background i was like damn that's brazen (laughs) right because you're you're operating in like a mm, like somewhat gray area already and then you have people like matt damon and ben affleck and like all these stars and stuff tweeting about it and being like check out ecr we're doing this charity drive i just look at phil nagy i'm like that dude has the biggest balls in the whole world (laughs) yeah how i have no idea how they pulled that off how they got tom brady to play yard tournament Mm -hmm. well i don't know i don't know that maybe all the celebrities were are educated on the state of online poker. So maybe to them, like they don't know, but like it definitely brings some, like I would think too, like unwanted attention. Like if you're Phil Nagy, aren't you kind of like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I would think, but I don't know. Like maybe he knows something we don't, I don't know that he, he's not scared. That's all I know. That yeah. man is not scared money. Yeah. Well, from my understanding, there was just, it was just a complete, Thing for charity, so there was no monetary prizes. Ebony Kenny won it. Yeah, she yeah. won one of them, and she got nothing. Just yeah. like sad to win. A, I think it was a 10k buy-in, um, a million dollar guarantee or something, and then take first in it and uh, yeah. get a trophy, and that's it. But I'm I'm sure she was happy to just be a part of it, and and it is yeah. kind of cool, like no matter what, just to win and to beat like Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, and right. All yeah. That's like better than money. It's to just be like no, it's not. I don't, no. A tournament with <laughs> I don't know a tournament with like all the yeah. most like famous people in the world, and you just get you get to win it. I don't know. It seems pretty sweet to me, but it does seem it is cool. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, dude. Ebony's a boss. Um. So let me see. What else I want to ask you? I guess I yeah. I I feel like you must get this all the time, but I I get it all the time. Even in my like Twitch chat now, it's just like the common questions is like, what bankroll do I need? And what, what do I do? And all these things. And what sites do I plant? What would just be like a quick advice for somebody? What's your like elevator pitch to people? Like for people who are like just starting out and maybe yeah. considering like playing more like, serious. Like, 
low stakes, how to be low stakes and uh, be profitable? Uh, well, usually I just direct them to Ed Miller books. So I just say like, go really? get the course. Cause you have to give blanket answers for things unless like you really want to get in depth in everybody's background and poker and what they already know. And I don't, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't have the time to like, you know, know what their level is, but the course is great. Cause there's three different sections and it's broken down by like one, two players, like how to beat that. And then how to beat two, five from there. And then how to beat five, 10 from there. So I imagine anybody asking me is, somewhere in that range that can be like benefited pretty greatly by that book. Um, so I just kind of direct them to there to that. And then if they're, when I get bankroll questions, those are really tough because there are so many things that go into it, like responsibilities and different things that in expenses and just lifestyle that I have no idea anything about them. So I usually tell them if you're working full time doing something else, then you know, you don't really need to worry about bankroll issues. It's more so for people who are playing for a living. And that's kind of, that's kind of how I address that. How do you address that? I, I, for bankroll issues, I have like my fourth thing. I always say like there's four things that matter. Uh, your overhead, which is responsibilities, your ability to get money, whether it's just loan or stake. If like, if you have whatever and your uh, income and uh, what, what was the last thing? Um, and I guess just the money you have. Right. But like, I always say like, if you have some income and you have people like 10 people that are willing to loan you 10 K any given time and you have low bills, you could put your whole bankroll on the table every day. But like, if you don't have any income and no one to loan you money and like your rent's really high, then you better have like 50 buy-ins plus, you know? So I, I usually say yeah, 50 to hundred buy-ins plus six months life expenses and yeah. I just say like the most like cautious possible advice ever because yeah. I don't mm -hmm. ever want people to, you know, ruin their lives doing something. Yeah. And it's, it's different with live poker also is that like, it's really hard to assess what your win rate is or your loss rate, yeah. <laughs> especially someone who's like trying to quit their job um, and they have other responsibilities. I just always like harp on that issue that I'm like, are you sure you're a winning player yet? Because you really can't be until you have like thousands of hours on the book. So then like, it doesn't really matter how big your bankroll is if you're losing, because that just means like you're spending money on poker anyway. So like that should be the first thing that people consider. And like, maybe don't quit your job until you study more or until you have like a larger sample size to see that, okay, you're winning $20 at one, two, $20 an hour at one, two. And like, you can actually like build from there. Yeah. I generally tell people if <clears throat> I get a lot of messages from people who are, you know, 18 or 19 or in the early 20s saying that they want to play poker for a living after watching my videos and stuff mm -hmm. that's something that's like terrifying for me um and so in those instances i generally tell people to just not play poker for a living and just keep it as a profitable hobby because it's a lot more enjoyable and since i have no idea what their skill set is it just seems like the most responsible answer i can give and anybody who uh is deterred from that like they probably weren't cut out for poker anyway and anybody who still wants it and still goes after it like they need to know that poker is hard to do for a living and so if they stick with it maybe those are the people that are you know gonna succeed and uh and maybe work harder yeah i think uh there used to be some some kind of like stigma around um having poker not be your full-time like people are like oh are you full-time poker pro and people always want to say yeah and now i feel like i'm proud and i can be like not really like mm -hmm. i'm putting in tons of hours now so now i i would be but like six months ago i'm like no sometimes i get to commentate like sometimes I'm, I'm doing some other stuff i'll like promote for an event like that feels good to me to be like writing social media for companies i think that like I'm proud of having a, a balance now in my life where if it was five years ago, I would have fought tooth and nail to be like, no, every dollar I make comes from poker. And I try to give people that advice when they're asking about being full time. I'm like, it's pretty cool to not be full time. Like, it's cool if your side hustle makes you 30,000 extra dollars a year and poker's your side hustle. I'm like, I don't know, like there, there used to be more glamour to the idea of like being a full time pro that like, I think it kind of lost that a little bit now for me anyway. Yeah. I think that like once you, for me, like once you've been there and you've been in the trenches of like grinding it out, like it loses its kind of romanticism. It's like, it, it's like 
when I hear that someone has like income from poker or whatever, I'm like, Oh wow. How'd you do that? Like, how'd you not, (laughs) how'd you do that? You know? So I don't know, but I think that like, it's one of those things, maybe you have to, you have to kind of have, you have to experience it and come out the other side maybe. Um, and I, and you know, it's, it's like, I don't really know what I say to people and that's, and that stands like, because I do think that like, I don't know, it definitely makes you a, a better, tougher person going through that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm picturing what you were saying about wandering the strip after like losing. Yeah. And that that feeling, it totally sucks. It's like fun to have gone through that or like driving home at like 10 in the morning where the sun's like hurting your eyes because you've been up playing for like 14 hours and you lose. Like going through that makes me feel like I'm like, all right, I'm like a tried and true, like real veteran of poker. But also I don't want to do that for my life. Like I don't want to be 60 driving home like uh, like the sun's burning my eyes after losing like money I need. I don't know. I guess it's cool to have gone through it and have that like rounders type background. But also like, no, as I'm getting older, I'm like, nope, I want to like sleep. I want to be like a healthy person and not like this crazy, like driven grinder. I don't know. Where are you at with that, Brad? I feel like you're you're like young-ish in poker, right? Like you're not, I don't know, like I, I know you've been playing for a while, but like I feel like have you been hardcore playing for a long time or is like is this kind of new? I first moved out in like 2012 to play for a living. So um I I I went broke like later that year. <laughs> <laughs> um I had, and then I went back to school and, uh, worked for an accounting firm and then, but I was always like playing poker on the side and taking it seriously. And, and, um, yeah, so I've been playing for like probably how long has it been? I don't know, like five of the last like eight years for a living. Like that's my Mm -hmm. only income. Um, but yeah, I, I'm really happy to be doing like this, this vlog stuff for me. I still like really do like the idea of having most of my income come from poker, but that's mm-hmm. just not the case anymore just because I'm like busy. And, uh, as things get more and more popular, there's like, I'm, I'm able to make more money from YouTube and from hosting poker events and all that stuff. So, I mean, that's awesome. And I'm really happy with that, but, uh, like I would love to just be crushing like high stakes or whatever, but that's just not happening for me right now. And I need to, I need to improve and few other things happen have to happen for me to, to get to that level. But I, I, I should be like studying more and I'm just not. Like I'm just more interested mm-hmm. in doing other stuff rather than getting better at poker. And in the back of my mind, I'm always like, oh, I, I do want to get better mm-hmm. and then I don't actually put the time in. So. I understand that. I like I've turned a corner recently with just just grinding so hard makes me want to like beat people I have that like drive again where I'm like I don't want to sit here and make like ten dollars an hour I want to like really beat people and like so I've been studying more but I languished for like two years where I felt like just making progress in other areas of my life was making me happy enough that I didn't have to make it in poker I'm like oh I'm like I'm podcasting and commentating I'm like trying to do other stuff and writing and those things are being fulfilled so I didn't feel this need to like go crush souls at poker but it's like super hollow when you're playing a lot of poker to just be like oh, I'm kind of just like skating by like it, it doesn't feel that good. And especially like I, I started to feel like a fraud when I'm like making content and I'm not actually feeling like I'm a good poker player. I'm like, I feel like working on being good will make everything I do better. That's how I feel too. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm losing right now playing online cash games. Mm-hmm. And I, I literally just said that to, to my girlfriend the other day. I was like, I feel like a fraud. I'm recommending this app that I'm a loser on. And that is not a good feeling. And I don't want to be making like two, five videos for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to, I want to be as helpful as I can with, you know, the lines that I take in the videos and I want to be playing bigger and make uh, the content more exciting. And it's just more exciting for me to play bigger. Luckily that is, that's the one really cool thing though, is that I can take shots and then if I video it and I lose, I get a rebate from YouTube. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you can also have like, Look, people can also learn from your mistakes. Sure. Like I talk pretty freely about things that I've like done that were stupid, like shot taking. I had a pretty good bankroll at one point, um, and I thought 40k in a roll was enough to be like playing a $3,500 WPT and then going to grind 510. And I would be like doing things like that on the regular, and 
it was because I knew like I could go back and get a law job if I needed to. But I'm like, this is the kind of thing people should hear about when they think, oh, maybe I want to be a poker player and like, tell me about it. And I'm like, here's the dumb things I did. Maybe don't do this. And like, I don't know if you're losing and you're getting your rebate. And then you could also talk about like how shitty it feels to be like, well, I lost 5% of my bankroll today. Don't do that. Like mm-hmm. that's pretty helpful for people too. I think a lot of like content creators try to do the like, it's always sunshine and rainbows. And that's like very harmful for people who are thinking about joining the poker world. I, I agree. Yeah. I've always tried to do the best that I could to just be pretty honest about the the good and bad things that I do. So, so it is fun either way, um, whether, whether or not I win, but uh, winning is important for me. Just like with my mindset, just there was, there was one point when I went on like an $18,000 downswing, which is pretty, is pretty significant for, me mostly playing like two five and five ten and it just seemed like eight out of ten videos were me losing and it just sucks like the haters come out of the woodwork like it's so easy to attack somebody like their most vulnerable point so when you're kind of at this tail tail end of this downswing and you're making questionable decisions because it seems like you're getting cooler all the time and then uh it's just tougher and tougher to play well and people just come out and they're like you suck isn't that weird though like that i've I don't have that inclination to like try to humble somebody who's already humble. Like if, if you were making videos being like, I fucking rule, like come at me, Bryn Kenny, I got this, you know, like I would be like, okay, we got to like put this dude in his place. I would understand random trolls, but you like, I really liked your one video where you like showed your graph and, and there was like no shame to it. You were just like, this is sometimes a thing that happens. Like sometimes you have to figure out, are you a losing player or is this a downswing? And like, you're going to end up being fine. And do you need to change something? And that was like a really helpful video. How do people muster up the assholishness inside of them in the comments to be like, you suck, Brad, you're telling them you suck for like the last yeah. time. <laughs> well, I imagine uh, just cause people in general are super mean to like women in poker is something that I've noticed. So I imagine Marley, you've probably taken, more than your fair share of uh, asshole comments. Yeah, I mean, it's also, you know, I realized it's, it's, I've kind of chosen that path personally. Like when you make videos about fucking people for stakes, like even though <laughs> in my mind, it's like so sarcastic and like, you know, I mean, I was like, and I, I kind of like assume people know me too. I'm like, oh, everyone knows that like whatever. But you know, when you, when you set, I set myself up for it a little bit. So it's kind of my own fault to a degree. But, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's bad for everybody. People just love to troll. I, I mean, Spruggy gets it so bad too on his channel. Every, oh my God. Oh my God. It's- he made it into a sport. Like I, I like his personality. Um, <laughs> I really do think he, he has like the nut personality for Twitch where he's just <laughs> like, he, he riffs off of people being shitty to him. Yeah, yeah. Like where he just like rage quits the stream and it's like, it's he'll a joke. Off. He'll tell them it's, off too, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but he, it's constant and like, it's, uh, you know, I guess for me it's different. Like, no, like I, I people, I, well, I had a couple of friends like told me like, no one really comes to me for like answers, like how to play good. So the feedback I get isn't usually like, you're bad at poker. It's usually like, you're ugly or like, wouldn't fuck you or whatever. Because you know, like that's, like that's what you're after when you make these YouTube videos. You're trying to trying yeah. to find as many dudes as possible who, who would fuck you. Yeah, exactly. I I don't know. It's like, but uh, yeah. I mean, I get a lot of questions about that too. But for me, I, I guess like I don't really the troll the trolls thing for me is kind of I've kind of gotten over it. I think you know, but but it's tough. Um. Anyways, just to wrap up. Um, I know, uh, you did mention a few times that you initially like wanted to make a a movie about poker and that's kind of like, you know, getting into more mainstream type stuff and more entertainment type stuff. Is that still a dream of yours? And are you like doing that? I think it'd be, I think it'd be awesome to be a part of it. I just think it's so hard to like beat rounders, you know? Yeah. I don't even know what you could possibly do to be a better, I mean, you get the poker stuff more accurate probably. But uh, in terms of that story and the cast and just everything about it, I just love, you know? So like, every other poker movie just seems to come up like way short of that in my mind. Mm-hmm. I thought yeah. Molly's game was good. Uh, just having played uh, in the New York underground uh, games, like that was the first two years of my poker life. 
they were pretty damn accurate. Like they glamorized her and they're also like, there are some things that are unbelievable where, where she's like, I'm really concerned that you're losing too much of your bankroll. Like, no, I'm sorry. Game runners, never, never in, in my life have they been like concerned if I could go feed my dog after this. Um, but for the most part though, I'm like those games, like that was pretty accurate. And I, I felt like uh, Sorkin did a really good job with like creating that scene. And I'm wondering if like there could ever be like an online one like if it would be boring for people, two months, two million, like the actual documentary was like highly entertaining for me. And I thought parts of that seemed pretty accurate to how life was. And I don't know. I feel like there's room for some kind of new age poker movie instead of just like rehashing stuff that happened in the past for people to watch. I don't know. I, yeah, I agree. Two months, two million was great. And it's funny to see those guys back then and to see like Lucky Chewy at Bellagio and how completely different he is. Yeah. You know? Um Ansky, uh, I think Donnie Stern did like the biggest 180 of anyone I've ever seen. He's like such a thoroughly like good, serious human being. And in that show, he's just like sex and drinking. Ah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's crazy because those guys, how old were they? Like, I mean, they were barely 21 or something. There were a few, like, I think he was 22 and like the oldest one was like 25. Yeah. So they're like just that. making, yeah. you know, I mean, they didn't actually do that well on the show. No, they made, I think they made like a couple hundred K combined. They took some really massive swings, but I would watch another show like that if they could find like some way yeah. to make poker as like cool as it used to be. There's just not as much money in poker though, compared to back then, you know, those games were, it seemed like they were really big games and there were a lot of people that weren't that good at poker, but they could just all yeah. crush. I don't really know that that's, that landscape is there anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, that was that that show was hilarious. It was just like these kind of nerdy dudes who were just probably making tons of money in their early twenties, and they just seemed like untouchable almost. You know, mm -hmm. just like they they were so cocky and stuff. Um, yeah, I wonder where because because there was the group of the four, and then they had like the rival group of four, which was I think Lucky Chewy was in. He was kind of yeah. like that rival group. Yeah, A. E. Jones and a bunch of those guys. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I don't know, like maybe it's just because um like we're still so in poker that it does seem interesting to me still. But I don't know, maybe from the outside, like unless people are like throwing money around and like spending five K on bottles and stuff, if we're not doing that, then no one wants to watch it. I don't know. <laughs> um, anyways, thank you so much for coming on. This is fun. Um we will uh yeah. Talk to you soon. <laughs> yeah, is there anything you want to give a shout out to any of the people who are uh, sitting at home dreaming about playing live poker? Anything to say to those guys in the meantime? Just hang in there. We're all going to be invited to one of Jamie's barbecue soon. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm going to be partying very hard when this is all over. I'll tell you that. I can't oh wait. Oh my God. That's like, a great idea. Like, that's why I've been training myself with like a little bit of wine like every single day of my life to make sure my liver is like, tip top shape for mm -hmm. when we're allowed to just go out and get wasted every day yeah nice <laughs> yeah I, well yeah i don't i don't really have too much too much else to say but i am just looking forward to getting back um after it with the live poker stuff and i'm probably going to be i don't know i i'm just i'm gonna i just want to make like more poker content and i just want to play live poker again so i'm looking forward to that yeah uh it's been awesome talking to you yeah all right. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Bye. See you. Bye.